0: You're listening to Parkway's podcast. From the world, but when Jesus says we're blessed, it means that we are to be envied. So when everything out there is shaking and people are in a panic because of the stock market and what's going on in the world, we simply say God's sovereign. His word says he's got it under control. God is my provider. God is my sure foundation. No government, no job, no money. God is. People look at our lives. We're in the same situation they are, but they look at us and go, man, there is something on your life. It's because we're blessed to be envied, right? And I believe in our finances, God wants us to be blessed. The devil doesn't want you to get this. Do you know why? On, on a couple of levels. The devil does not want, the devil wants God's people to be in debt just as much as the world so that we're paying the lender, not sowing it into the kingdom of God. Do you know this is statistically true? That the third world countries give more percentage-wise than the North American church does. Get your head around that for a moment. And if everyone in the North American church caught God's vision for tithing, do you know that they say literally it would fuel the gospel and every child that needs sponsored would be sponsored, that it would help to take care of worldwide poverty and spread the gospel around the world. If God's own people said, we're not going to try to bypass your word, but we're going to find the blessing and the breakthrough through it. If every North American Christian tithe, it would speed up the return of Jesus because Jesus said that it's when the gospel is preached all around the world Then he'll come and they say the number one hindrance to the gospel being preached in the world is in Islam It's not the bamboo curtain. It's that we can't send people and they can't go because there's not enough what? Are you tracking with me so think about that Okay, I'm not giving anyone trouble. I'm just putting it out there. All right. I'm speaking to myself as well so the devil's goal is For my life and your life is to financially be in debt. There's another reason why he wants us to be enslaved and in debt. Do you know why? Not only does it stop us from giving to the work of the kingdom. Not only does it stop us from tithing in that. And living in the blessing of God. But do you know that more marriages break up. There is more mental health. And health issues based on the stress of finances in North America than anything else. And I think that's changing. But So, hey... Our money is important to the devil and it's important to God. And it should be important to us. So you are going to track with me? You know, a lot of people can sit through a lot of preaching, but as soon as you start talking about money, they say, I'm not going back there anymore. (laughs) Here's here's a few statistics. John, well, I'll I'll give them to you in a sec. John 3, 16. God loved the world so much that he what? Say it with me. Gave. God is a giving God. I'm not a natural-born giver. First words out of my mouth, well, they're probably wondrous and life-changing. I don't know. First words out of my mouth were probably me or mine, and same with you. Very few kids do you see, and if you've heard me use this illustration before, but you see very few kids who are learning to speak, saying to their siblings, yours share right? Uh, When do we put on the referee's shirt? Mine, 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 right? We're not natural born givers. But when we're rebirthed in Jesus Christ, come on, how many parents know it's true? When we're rebirthed in Jesus Christ, there is a seed of desire to want to be givers because it reflects the heart of God. God loved that he gave. By the way, that's a principle in life. What you love, you will give to. If you love your spouse, you will give. If you love your children, you will give. If you love your church, you will give. If you love people, you will give. Right? And so, when we live a generous life, financial breakthrough will follow. But I just want to say this. I don't ever want us to give because of what we can receive, because that's the world system, even though I believe it's sowing and reaping is God's system. I just love people, and we have them in our church. I just love people who love to give and not just to our church they're the people that will come to me sometimes with very thick envelopes and say hey I heard of the single parent who's struggling can you give them this to them and don't you dare tell them who this came from just give it to them there's no income tax receipt there's no credit for it and then and they just say like I just I just want to bless them right I've been on the receiving end of blessing, and it's wonderful. But I've been able to bless others, and it's even more wonderful, right? Because that reflects the heart of God. So you ready to dive in? When we live a generous life, financial breakthrough will follow. And I was going to say I guarantee it, but it's actually God who guarantees it. And we're going to see that in a minute, okay? There are more than 500 verses in the Bible concerning prayer. So prayer must be important. There are nearly 500 verses in the Bible concerning faith. Faith must be important, but as you can see, there's 2,000 in the Bible considering money and possessions. So listen, don't get ticked at the preacher for mentioning it once a year. (laughs) Or maybe this year, two or three times. Jesus spoke about money in 16 of 38 parables. From the Bible standpoint, we need to learn about money, the use of it, and its place in our lives, and God's expectations regarding it. Why? Because money is actually a test from God. It's actually a test from God. In Jesus' parables, there is a direct correlation between what people do with what God has given them in in their money and their talents and their eternal reward and responsibility and God's blessing on earth. There's a direct correlation. What we do with our finances reveals our priorities and what's really important to us. And so I want to call this morning first things first. And the first things first is called the tithe or the first fruits. And we're going to break that down in a few minutes. Exodus thirteen two and 12 to 13. Then the Lord said to Moses, consecrate to me every firstborn male. The first offspring of every womb among the Israelites belongs to me, whether person or animal. You are to give over to the Lord the first offspring of every womb. All the firstborn males of your livestock belong to the Lord. Redeem with the lamb every firstborn donkey. But if you do not redeem it, break its neck redeem every firstborn among your sons. So according to Old Testament law, whatever broke the womb was the Lord's. It was God's. It was to be either redeemed or uh, sacrificed if it was considered a sacrifice that was suitable in God's in God's economy for sacrifice, or it was to be redeemed by suitable. So that's why they use the example of a donkey. A donkey was considered an unclean animal for sacrifice. So you had to take a lamb and redeem the donkey in its place. Okay? It's a simple, uh, a thing. So we have to understand God's purpose for all of this. There's a number of reasons why God demanded this that we will see. But we've got to remember that when we read the Old Testament, we now read it backwards. We read it from the cross back. And so the, the first fruit, the firstborn offering was actually a living illustration. See how we did communion this morning? We're actually eating and drinking something, but it has a greater symbolic and greater spiritual context than just eating a little wafer and a little drink. It, it speaks of the Calvary, speaks of the cross of Jesus. And every time someone brought, we from the New Testament backwards, every time someone brought that firstborn offering, uh, uh, lamb, that firstborn animal, or they brought an animal to redeem their firstborn child. Uh, they, it was a living symbol of what Jesus Christ would one day do God's firstborn son, sown and given into the world to redeem you and I. Makes sense? So it was a constant symbolic parallel that would be filled in Jesus. When Jesus first appeared on the scene, John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. There is the one that's worthy of sacrifice. There's the one who will redeem the the rest. And so he was literally, Jesus Christ was a first fruit, a firstborn offering. God gave Jesus in faith before any of us believed, a sacrifice that would redeem the rest. Romans 8, 29 tells us that he, Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. So when I give my tithe, which literally means 10%, when I surrender my tithe, and I have mine here this morning, when I surrender this tithe this morning to the Lord, it would be the equivalent of that Jewish couple giving their first fruit or their firstborn to the Lord. But God's not asking me to give financially what he didn't give in his son Jesus Christ, for God loved the world so much that he what? Gave. Jesus was literally God's tithe into the world. Before there was any return, Jesus Christ died so that he could redeem the rest. That firstborn lamb had to be sacrificed so that the rest born would be redeemed. Jesus Christ was crucified to redeem the rest. Make sense? And so, I I just, for those of you who are tithers, for those of you who are givers, I just want you to understand it's not just giving of your money. It should be every time you surrender that tithe, it should be a constant reminder to you, I'm just giving back money, but God gave me Jesus. This is an illustration of what God sown into the world through Jesus. This is what the Father did for me. This is an illustration like communion or water baptism of what happens 2,000 years ago on the cross. So the principle runs all through scripture is this, whatever you give to God, you never lose because he will redeem it. Matthew 16, 25, whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good is it for someone to gain everything the world has to offer, but lose their own soul? The first belongs to God, Matthew 6, 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Put God first. He'll redeem the rest. And folks, well, who and what is our first priority? When we seek him first and give freely to him, he redeems the rest in our behalf because what is offered is never lost. It's always redeemed. That's true of your time. It's true of your finances. It's, it's true of your passions. It's true of your desires. Whatever you give to God first, he will always give it, redeem the rest and give it back to you. So that's what tithing is. By the way, we get the principle of tithing, the first 10%, we, earn it from the, we learn it from the Bible. It's not something we've made up, and we'll look at that in a moment. But the heart of tithing is obedience to God, birthed out of gratitude and fueled by faith. And I believe that the first fruit tithing, giving God first before we do anything else, is an act of faith. Money can be the hardest area in our lives in which to trust God. So when we give first to God, when we tithe, we're saying, God, I'm going to give you first. I'm going to honor you before I honor anyone or anything else. How many of you know that Canada Revenue doesn't give you the option to tithe about 40%? They don't give you the option. You know, uh, Katie's our bookkeeper, and she lives in Sarnia, so she'll she'll write that check that I got to bring into the bank that goes to the government, the deductions check. I get ticked off every time I have to go to the bank and pay that thing. I think there's only three of us on staff, and this is how much we got to give to Revenue Canada? I kind of begrudge it. Except when I have vertigo and I can't walk straight, and I go to a hospital, that that helped pay for Then I'm very thankful to the Lord that I can surrender that. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? It's all perspective, right? But God wants the first because it's an act of faith. It's an act of saying, God, I trust you and I believe that you can bless the 90% to an even greater degree than what the 100% would be. It's saying, Lord, you are supreme in my life. I give you first because you've asked for it and I surrender it and, and I just, I believe you're worthy of it. But it's a huge act of faith. Go, go back to that Jewish farmer, okay, who has to give up that firstborn lamb. He wants to be a sheep farmer, okay, so he Him and his wife save, and they want to move out of the parents' house, so they save, and they're finally able to buy a ram and an ewe. An ewe isn't an ugly sheep like ewe, An ewe's just a female sheep, right? So the female sheep gets pregnant, and now, now they're about to start their sheep ranch, and they're excited, and that firstborn lamb is finally born. This is their future. This is their hope. This is what they're going to build their industry on, and the Lord says, I want that first one. Now, I can hear the farmer going, okay, God, here's the deal. After I've had nine more, I'll give you one, and that's 10%. And the Lord says, no, 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 no. That's only the principle of the tithe. I want the firstborn, fruit tithe. So that farmer takes that lamb. He goes to the temple, and they sacrifice it at the temple. And there is no guarantee in nature that that oo will ever get pregnant again. But he takes it. He says, okay, Lord, I'm putting my faith in you. We have one ram. We have one sheep. We have one baby. But I'm giving you the baby, trusting that you're going to redeem the rest, that you're going to guard the womb of this land, this sheep, that you're going to take care of everything else, because that's how much my faith is in you. That took a lot of faith, friends. Come on. That took a lot of faith. And that's what God required. It was a constant reminder. Uh, It it goes even beyond the redeeming. It was a constant reminder of, I'm first. I provided that sheep in the first place. You give to me what's mine, and I'll make sure you're blessed with everything else you need. It was a huge act of faith, a huge act of obedience. And And so he could offer that lamb in complete faith and devotion to God, saying, God, you're number one, and you're worthy of this, and I trust you. It always requires faith to give first. That's why so few Christians statistically experience the blessing of first fruit tithing. Giving to God before you see if you can afford tithing is a powerful faith declaration. Uh, I think that more than any other area in our life, putting God first in our money is a powerful step. That establishes the supremacy of God in our lives and opens us up to incredible blessing. And I think it sets the tone for every other area of our life. It really does. Because again, uh, for me, for me, the hardest area to surrender to God is very often in the area of finances. Right? Because our lives are so dependent on it. Here's another principle. Exodus twenty-three nineteen says, Bring the best of your first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God doesn't say give it first to a ministry or missionary, but to the house of the Lord. And your house and my house is the place where our children hear the word of God together. It's where we're fed. It's where we're held accountable. It's where what we call our home church. So I want you to know, uh, I don't want to lose my reward here, but Jackie and I sponsor a child. We have for years. And we sometimes give to other ministries and individuals. But our tithe always comes to Parkway Church. Always. Always In the Old Testament times, people were farmer, tradesmen, so they would either give their crop or their animals or the money they made from their trade. You may work in the health, the food industry, the industries. Uh, I don't know where you work, but then your first fruit uh, is, is, is uh, whatever your, your income is. Listen to what Proverbs three, nine and 10 tells us. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruit of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim with new wine. The voice says this: Pay tribute to the eternal in all your affairs, honor him with the best of what you make. That way, you will prosper to the fullest and have plenty of food to eat and wine to drink. Honoring God with your first fruits releases God to prosper you. By the way, that word tithe, which is in the scriptures, it literally means in in the Hebrew language ten percent. That's that's why we use use that formula. So listen to what Malachi 3, 9 and 10 says, and I'm almost done. Then we're going to do something different this morning. Malachi 3, 9 and 10 says, Will someone steal from God? Yet you are always stealing from me. But you self-centered people still ask, How have we stolen from you? Now listen to this. In tithes and offerings. Wow. In tithes and offerings, you have not given me as the law requires. You are cursed with a curse. For as an entire nation, you're stealing from me. We won't look at this in too much detail today. You can't steal something that's already yours. Okay, I'm going to say that to this side. (laughs) You know, you can't steal something that is already yours. So that tells me that that 10% isn't mine. It's his. God doesn't ask me to give 10% of my money. He asked me to surrender 10% of his money, and if I don't, he says it's stealing from him. I'll just let that dangle. Some argue, well, I'm not under law anymore. By the way, verse 6 of Malachi 3 says, I am the Lord, and I do not change. Some argue, well, I'm not under the law anymore. I'm under grace, I'm not obligated to tithe. Just because it was established under the law doesn't mean it continues under grace. Right? Someone could say, well, I can still be saved and commit adultery, and you know what? They'd probably be right. I can still be saved and murder somebody and steal and lie, and they would still be right. Maybe you can be. But how many of you know there's consequences, both spiritual and from God, and consequences for that? So let me say this. Can you be saved and steal from God from the tithe? Absolutely you can. But there will be consequences in your finances. And when we look at Malachi at a future date, you'll see that when he says, I will open the windows of heaven and pour in a blessing, that word blessing isn't limited to finances. It's talking about your whole life. Because money is a test. And so, can, can you get away with stealing from God and still make it in heaven? Sure, I suppose. But there's consequences. Right? Make sense? All right. Well, I should stick to my notes in the future. I'm so sorry, Lincoln, Dave, Cy, and Len. In fact, let me say this. Grace empowers us to live beyond the letter of the law. It doesn't give us a license to break the law. For example, the law says do not murder. Jesus taught us that under grace we do not hate. Because how many of you know that hate is the root that leads to murder? That the, the law says don't sleep with someone that's not your wife. Oh, hey, how many of us would go, okay, yeah, I got that down. Jesus says if you look at someone lustfully, you're guilty of sleeping with them. How many hands would go down? Grace empowers us to live beyond the law. So under grace, the law said 10 percent's mine. The first lamb is mine. Under grace, we say it's all God's because I could never pay him back anyways. Because grace always exceeds the law. Always exceeds the law. And so I've heard so many testimonies over the year of people who tithe. Their report is almost always the same. I am so blessed God has blessed me. He's so good to me. But I've also heard testimonies of Christians who have been in the church and don't tithe. And very often, not always, but very often their testimony is the same. Man, it's, I'm struggling. I just can't afford to tithe. I don't know. I would rather be in the camp that says I'm so blessed than the people that say I can't afford. In fact, I would go on record and I will say, I am so blessed I can't afford not to tithe. And if you think that we're just rolling in the dough, we're okay, but we're so blessed we can't afford. Listen to what Romans eleven sixteen says. Just as the entire batch of dough is holy because the portion given uh, as an offering is holy, for if the root of the tree is holy, the branches will be too. So the first portion redeems the rest. We honor the Lord more than we do our own needs and wants, and God blesses us. So money's a test. Jesus made that clear in many of his parables. Our reward on earth and our, re- our, our blessing on earth and our reward in heaven is tied directly with how we steward our lives. And I'm going to wrap up in a minute, okay? So what is amazing about the first fruit 10% principle is it puts us all on equal ground. So think about this for a minute. It's not the people who can give the big bucks God is looking for. Because if your 10% is $40 a month and someone's giving 4000 but they're doing it begrudgingly and they're, they're doing it just because they made up a number, the person that gives the 10% is going to be blessed than the person who just gives. Because it's not the dollar amount. It starts with that percentage amount. Does that make sense? So it puts us all on equal ground, right? Okay. I'm just going to wrap up we're going to do something different. Malachi 3 says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. Say that with me. Test me in this. Come on, you've got to hear this. Test me in this. Says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. It's the only place in scripture. If you look at Jesus' temptations, he says to the devil, do not test the Lord your God. This is the only place we have permission to say, okay, God, I'm putting you to the test in the area of our finances and in the area of our tithing and offering. By the way, this is, this is what I believe. I believe that the tithe uh, brings blessing under the 90%, and I believe offerings giving willingly over and above, and as the Holy Spirit leads us over and above the 10%, is what multiplies our finances. And I, and I could testify to that in my own life as well. And so I'm going to challenge you this morning, if you're not a first fruit tither, start with a percentage that is in keeping with your faith. I even grimace to say that. But anyways, whatever your faith allows, I would say go for the whole 10%. But if your faith allows 2%, 5%, if you're already at 10 and the Spirit is speaking to you and you're going to go 12%, whatever your faith allows, start there and I'm going to throw out a three-month challenge, okay? For three months, let the first check or the first money you put aside be that tithe for the next three months. Test God in this. And see if he will not bless the 90% more than what you originally had with the 100%. And, and I'm going to let you know something. When I, started, when I got my first paper route at 11 years old, I mean, I only had that thing for a week, the Kingston Wig Standard. And my mom walked in with tithe envelopes and said, here you go, son, start tithing. I've tithed my whole life, not because it's a law, but because it's life for me. I want to tell you something else. When I started out in the ministry, my wife worked midnights at Tim Hortons. Any Tim Hortons people? I know there is all over this place. Midnights. We came back from our honeymoon, and I said, see you, sweetheart. And she went and worked midnights at Tim Hortons. And I was making $14,000 a year full-time before (coughs) deductions. And you know something? There was times we wrote the tithe check. This is the truth. There's times we wrote the tithe check. And we, we were short on our bills. But we said, okay, yep, we can eat hamburger meat one more time. Yep, I can just happen to go by mom and dad's at 5 o'clock because I lived, worked at, in their church. I, I can do that. But Lord, this Tide check would pay half those bills. It's either pay half these bills that we can't pay or pay the tithe. We'd surrender the tithe, and man, God would be so creative. So creative in seeing those bills paid. Do you know that we never forfeited on a bill once in our entire lives? We couldn't afford not to tithe. And then I started to make a little more money, and my wife was able to work from the home with our kids. I still wasn't rolling in the dough, but we made a little more money. And I can remember going to preach at things like youth convention. I would preach a workshop, and they'd hand me a check, and the Lord immediately spoke to me and said, and I was like, praise the Lord, this just paid for this. And the Lord said, you hand that check over to Coates for the kids in the Ukraine offering that they're taking up. <laughs> but Lord, I've already given my tithe. By the way, we sponsored a child the whole time. And I'm not saying this to pat me on the back. You can't outgive give God. It used to be fun for us, because we'd write the tithe check, and we'd go, okay, Lord, we're $300 short this month. And it would show up in envelopes, in tips for Jackie's work. People would just walk up and say, the Lord told me to give you this amount. And sometimes it was almost down to the dollar what we needed to pay our bills. We never stood in front of the church and said, oh, it's so hard. We just got on doing it. God got really creative, you know? So, I can, re- I can remember, I can remember, Jackie and I were, Sunday afternoon, we were trying to have a Pentecostal nap. Neither of us could speak, and the Lord had said, you need to give this much money to so-and-so, and this much money to so-and-so. And again, we didn't have it, but we gave it. And by the end of that month, I think it was like three or four times more had been given back to us, just outside of our jobs, because our jobs aren't our provider. God is our provider, So I just say, I can't afford not to tithe, folks. Because when I didn't have enough money to pay my bills, are you hearing what I'm saying? When Jackie's income with my income wasn't enough to pay the bills, we tithed and my bills became God's problem. And he always, always, always came through. You just can't outgive God. So does Parkway need your money? Well, sure we do. It's like Ken Raymer said, people say, all the church wants is your money. Well, so does everybody else. But you know what? I want you to be blessed. I want our church to be generous. I want our church to be generous. I'm presenting this because I make no apologies on what God's word says. And financial breakthrough will come for some of you. And, And I just want to address this. Some of you say, but my spouse isn't born again. Then you know what? You just do what you're able to do without dishonoring your spouse, and God will honor that. I had a lady in our last church who said, my husband won't let me tithe. But she goes, we both have an allowance that we give one another out of our income, and I'm going to start giving. She named a percentage. It was over the tithe, off my allowance. She came back to me, and she says, oh, my goodness. My husband just got a, he just got a raise, and they haven't given out raises in his work for years. And she goes, and I went, because I'm tithing, Sucker. And so, God can give you wisdom to navigate some of those things. You still with me this morning? Now, I want to say this some people don't like tithing envelopes. I do. I'll tell you why. Two reasons why. Because if it's going to give you a break on your income tax, I'd say go for it. And if it's going to give you a return, Someone said to me a number of years ago, they said, well, I don't want to give for the return. And I said, would you get a return if you gave? They said, oh, yeah, about $3,000. I said, okay, fine. You can sponsor a lot of kids with that. Hey, Parkway will take it. I said, it's either them or Canada Revenue. And they came and got envelopes. The other reason I like envelope giving is it keeps me accountable. It lets me know and i can tell you this again i'm not trying to pat myself on the back i just there's other people that I'll have give testimonies in days and weeks to come i'm not the most generous person in this room i can tell you that right now but i can i can honestly tell you that the greatest the greatest day of my year is when i look at what Jackie and i've been able to sow out into the church child sponsorship and other things and i'm able to look at that amount and i say thank you jesus because that, that's an investment. That's an investment I can't lose. Do you know most of the, I'm not, excuse the French, most of the crap that I bought with my money is long gone and forgotten. But when I see my tithe and my offerings at the end of the year, when I get a letter from my sponsored child that says, I go to school every day and I made Jesus my savior, I think that's the best 40 bucks I spent All month. How many people are going to come up to you in heaven because you sow into the kingdom of God and they're going to go, you know what? The Lord just, the big old angel over there who does the bookkeeping just came to me and said, because you gave consistently to missions in Parkway Church, a missionary came and because you gave, my child was sponsored and found Jesus and I'm here today simply because you gave money. There is a powerful, powerful investment that we make When we give money. Bernie was telling me about widow's baskets that they've given. Missionaries tell me how the money goes to feed the hungry and give them Jesus. Awesome. Amen? Thanks for listening to our message. If you'd like to learn more about Parkway Church, you can visit us online at parkway-church.com.